live. Live. We're live. We're live. We're back with the Giving Back TV podcast. Been a while, buddy. It has been a while. I know. We Colin both... Tordale. Aaron, Aaron Throckmorton. The one and only. <laughs> change of venue this time, actually. We, yeah. We uh, we got the same backdrops, but we change up where we film. We've yeah. actually filmed in, well, technically three different locations, two yes. in your place, one in mine. Yeah. So we are at the international headquarters of Giving Back TV and True Flight Adventures. That's right. We are here in the headquarters. In the headquarters. Yeah. All the employees, <laughs> we gave the day off. <laughs> so we're here recording, but no, it's been a while. We... Uh, we were just talking about how busy our lives were, and um, even leading into the summer, we had all these plans, but hey, we had some stuff going on. You we had, did. Uh, you had some, we, we had kid, not issues, but we had kids graduating and going off to college. Kids graduating, we had kids going to college, um, <clears throat> took daughter to college, I rode with her in her car, my wife drove in the other car. My wife cried the whole way there. <laughs> um, didn't cry on the way home, so she got that out of the way on the way there, so when she was by herself. Um and I don't think, I think we were about 30 miles outside of home coming back, wife and I, when we got the phone call. I've never felt so alone in my life. <laughs> well, I had some um, roommate issues. Oh, that um, can happen. Yeah, roommate bringing beer and stuff into the dorm room and all that. And so she doesn't want to lose scholarships. Yeah. So she got that fixed and got moved in with her best friend from high school. That's cool. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, obviously college is... You know, you're there to get an education, but their kids are going to party. Yes. But your daughter has a lot to lose too. Oh, yeah. So she has to be, I mean, she got a bunch of scholarships. Yes. So that's cool. So how's the wife doing and how's the daughter doing today? Daughter's doing great. She's met new friends there. She just went to an uh, Oktoberfest type festival out on the, uh, the campus grounds there cool. with someone new, not a social, someone from school or class. Someone she met down there. Yeah. That's cool. That's kind of what it's about, you know, and, you know, Ozzy did the same thing. She moved Shane down to college, down to uh, Twin Falls, Idaho. Mm -hmm. So he's a little further away, but um, he's doing great. And um, he's such a level-headed, stable kid that, you know, he was fine with everything. Ozzy, I think, had some issues. I wasn't able to go, unfortunately. I, I wish I could have. But, um, yeah, she had to kind of drive him down there, get him moved in, and then drive back. So it was it was tough on her, oh, but yeah. she's still doing good. I know he texted her this weekend when we were on the mountain, and she lit up. I mean, she's just she's, – yeah. she's missing her baby for oh, sure. Oh, yeah. And I think it's different between boys and girls too. Um, I remember when I was dropped off in college in Colorado Springs. We didn't have cell phones, so no instant communication. I had to wait two days before my parents got home. So I was really on my own. Yeah. In an apartment by myself. <laughs> in a big city, going to Colorado Springs from Helena, Montana. It's a big city. That is a change, yeah. But, you know, it's, it was different. It was, yeah, we didn't have cell phones. I know when I went, I went to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. So it was about eight or nine hours away. But yeah, same thing. You get dropped off. Um, and actually, my dad took me over. My mom stayed. They owned a grocery store, so one had to run the store. And I think it was too tough on mom to take me. And so mm -hmm. dad took me over. But yeah, he leaves. And then you're like, uh, I'm now free. I, yeah. I can do what I want when I want. So, But that's cool. But that that took a lot of our time this summer. And then uh, and we got, man, I tell you what, summer went so fast. And then we got right into September, which is our favorite time of year. It is. Elk singing, man. That's, oh, oh, man, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. But, I mean, our season um, has has been very slow. Um, how about you guys? Same. Um, normally, a couple weeks in, we're hearing a lot of rut activity, bugling, cow call, cow talking. This year, I want to say silent. I mean, you would hear the occasional bugle, more like a locator or something like that, and nothing else. 
no response to a bugle, no challenging, not even rut activity. We saw herds of cows with no bulls. Really? Which was weird until about three and a half weeks into September. Then we started seeing bulls with cows, uh, ran across the herd, out looking at private land, you know, glassing oh, yeah. out there at them because the, they're giving me the big middle finger. <laughs> um, but I got, went in the spring and the, that bull is like peeing in there, rolling around, doing rut activity. I was like, oh, finally we're getting there. Yeah. Which finally. is half the fun. Yes. Even if you don't kill an elk having that rut activity. So you guys did get into some though. We did. Um, just a few weeks ago, uh, early morning, we're walking in down a fence line of uh, some public land bordering private land to get in where we know they cross quite often. And we heard noise behind us. I was like, what the heck is that? It looks like, sounds like something walking. Sure enough, 60 yards behind us, we hear barbed wire fence. The first cow crossed over to private. Oh, jumping. So then, you know, we tried to sneak him back a little bit and then we could see him. So we just kind of hit a little bit and more heard. Then the bull jumped. He was a nice little five point. Um, not little, he was a pretty decent sized five point. But this calf didn't want to cross. <laughs> so it comes running down the fence line right toward us. And I think it got five feet from me. And I'm like walking toward me. And I had to tip my bow up so my arrow didn't stick it in the nose. It was that close. It was that close. And it looked at me and just turned around and went back down the fence line a little bit. Tried to jump it. Horrible attempt at jumping. <laughs> to get stuck? Landed right on top of the fence. Sat there for a second. Then it flopped back on its back. Back leg stuck. Mom at this point is barking at it running toward us. Really? And I'm like, I have to stop hunting and go play rescue elk oh. with a pissed off mama. Yeah. Well, lucky enough, he, he thrashed enough that he got his back leg out, jumped up, ran down the fence line, three more attempts before he got <laughs> over. He needs more jumping lessons. It's fun to watch those little ones try and jump that, but thank God he didn't get caught. Yeah. That would have been a rodeo with that cow there. Oh, man. Yes. I mean, it, it's a rodeo. We came across that calf uh, last year during rifle season in New Mexico. And the, I mean, mama left. She saw us coming and so she left. But even just to get the calf unstuck, that was a, that was an ordeal. Oh, yeah, I bet. You know, so, um, but you got into some anyway. We did. And then just after that, we kept going down the fence line and elk were bugling up on the hillside. I saw bulls chasing other bulls, cows mewing. Um, we did some cow calls. We got answers back, um, but public land hunting. There yeah. were other hunters in the area, and uh, all of a sudden, a cow just lifted her head and turned around, and the whole herd just left. Really? We're like, what the heck just happened? So then, you know, we heard another bugle back behind us, you know, so where the other hunters came in at, but still fun. It is. I mean, that's that's so fun. I mean, very different than what we experienced this year. Where we hunt is normally full of elk. It, it's very tough to get into. It's about a three-hour climb straight up. And there's elk on the side that we climb, but over the years, they've been moving further and further on the other side. And this year, we did not see one elk on the mountain. Not one. Wow. We looked down on private at the very bottom of the other side, and there was a lot of elk there. One of our biggest problems was all the beetle kill. You know, we had all that all that um, pine beetle or whatever came through and killed all these trees. Now they're starting to fall. Mm -hmm. And the deadfall were where we hunt is so bad that we can't even, I mean, all the trails are covered. And I really think that has changed the elk. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's we, for me to hike from the bottom of this one canyon that I like to go in during the rut and to climb out of it is about a 30-minute climb. It's steep. 
I did it last year and it was two and a half hours. Wow. Two and a half hours. And it's just, I think that's what, what has happened in our area. And I was talking to some other people, you know, on social media, all around the state of Montana, everyone's saying the same thing, whether, you know, no matter what mountain range you're in, that the deadfall has changed the elk patterns. Yeah. Do you guys have that over there? Migratory, yeah, it changes their migratory routes. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's been tough. And then you brought up the thing about public land. See, we're on public land too. We did see one other hunter um, one afternoon, and he looked exhausted. He was walking through mm. the deadfall. And, oh, wow. Um, but it is public land. I had a buddy, um, I was talking with him the other night, him and his boys were out hunting, and they spotted some elk one evening, late one evening, and it was on public land. And so... They left, came back in the next morning, and there was um, a truck park there. And that's fine. You know, you have other hunters there. Well, this kid in the truck got really upset with them and said this was his spot. This was his mountain. And my buddy said, well, it's it's public land, you know, if, if you want to hunt together. And he was very accommodating. And this kid got really belligerent. And um, the kid said he wasn't even going to go hunting, so they hiked in. Started to hunt, and then he started worrying about his vehicle. Yeah, he didn't know if that guy was going to do anything. Pretty soon, he sees the guy hiking the other ridge, and they they were watching some elk. And the guy walked right to the elk and skin spooked him just on yeah. purpose. Turned around, looked at him, and walked out. Wow! And that's I don't know if you guys are encountering that kind of stuff, but I hear stories of that all the time. Growing up over the years, <clears throat> we've driven to trailheads. Got there. There's two, three, maybe seven vehicles parked there. We park. And we hike in because we're talking thousands of acres right. out here. Yeah. Um, and we've even been to, there at the same time with somebody. Um, even just last year, we were hunting across the river from our cabin. And we got into some elk. And then there's, we ran into some other hunters that were into the elk as well. Well, they're the neighbors too. But we sat and talked. Okay, if you guys come in this way, we'll go in this other way each morning. And maybe we can help each other out. Exactly. I mean, that's that's what we should be as hunters. We should be like that. I agree. But it's it's getting bad. I, I've talked to a lot of people that, I mean, I don't want to say we're older, but we are older. We're not in our 20s anymore. And there's a lot of people that are giving up hunting. They're just yeah. tired of dealing with, like you say, very disrespectful hunters. And it's just, it's taking the fun out of it. Absolutely. You read some of the Facebook groups and people like, if you show up with a truck there and the trailhead, you you have to leave. Why? It's public land. It's like public you said land. about your friend, right? And then you get these comments in there like, oh, cut their valve stems. Yeah, I've heard seen that too. Really? So now you're going to des- destroy someone else's property? That This is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And, and there's times where I've actually pulled up to trailheads and somebody is there and they got the truck very nicely and they're like, hey, I was planning on hunting here. And I and I have left. Yes. And, and absolutely, if it's a small area. Mm-hmm. I remember one time I was actually doing a, a spring bear hunt and we parked public land. We parked the trailhead. We hiked in half a mile. We're going up this hill. And it's a nice trail. And I looked behind me and here comes a couple, and um, which was kind of odd because they saw us. He walked up and I said, yeah, we're, um, how are you? I was nice. And I said, uh, are you guys hunting here? And he goes, yeah. And I said, yeah, we were going to hike up this trail. And he goes, tough shit. I'm going. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, and I just was like, we could have hunted together, We, but he was so rude about it, you know, and that's what I think that's turning a lot of hunters off. I think that as hunters, we need to be better. I understand. I mean, you get up early, you take vacation, you go, you, you don't want to be on other people, but on public land, it's going to happen. Right. It's going to happen. Especially near a trailhead. Yes. Yes. If you don't want to be around people, there's a couple of things you can do. One, you can get in about five miles plus. Yes. Two, you can go on a guided hunt. Right. That's usually... 
what you do. And I've had a lot of guys, a lot of do-it-yourself guys call me saying, man, I love hunting elk. I love archery hunting elk, but I'm tired of the people. I want to spend the money on a guided hunt. Yeah, yes. But but I tell them too, a lot of these outfitters hunt public land too. Yeah, they do. You know, their difference is they usually are back in 10 plus miles right. with horses and, or they have exclusive lease rights, you know, for some private. So I don't know. It was, uh, it's getting, it's different than when we were young, I feel. Absolutely. I mean, it didn't seem a problem. No one cared. Everybody's out there hunting like, oh, I got up late. That guy's in there early. Maybe he's into him. But also sometimes the person that got up late walking in, because the other people are in there pushing the animals around, they had got an opportunity to kill one. Exactly. Exactly. It's, we knew a guy that we always talked about him, call it Baker luck, right? Because he'd get up at 10 o'clock in the morning and go driving in and then one run across the road in front of him and shoot it on the road and <laughs> doesn't have to drag it anywhere. Exactly. <laughs> but that does happen to people, you know? Yeah. I mean, people think, uh, you just never know what's going to happen when you're in the woods. Um, I was hunting one time and um, had a group of guys and I heard them. They were at the very bottom bugling. So I, I stopped. I was actually mm-hmm. hiking down to this canyon, heard them. So I stopped and I just sat there and um, they were bugling a lot, like way too much. And I finally started to hear the cows. And so what they did is they actually pushed the elk. And so I went back up around and I just sat on this saddle and the whole herd came through. I mean, these cows were crossing at 20 yards and mm-hmm. I could hear the bull bugling constantly. He was trying to keep his cows together. And that sucker, he crossed 100 yards below me. He, oh, he yeah. was the only elk that didn't come through that saddle. But in that situation, I kind of used those guys to my advantage. They were right. bugling too much, and they pushed him, so I just sat and waited. So, you know, um, yeah, this was not our best elk season this year at no. all. Even online in different groups, people talking, you know, elk are screaming where we're at. I'm like, well, where is that? Because most, the majority of everybody, especially in the Montana groups, we're saying they're quiet this year. Yeah. And that's what we experienced. Um, we heard wolves. We come across a bear kill. Um, yeah. All sorts of different things, but those weren't the only contributors. I, th- I think some of it played with uh, we had two full moons in September. So maybe the latter one really got the cows in estrus. Yeah. I mean, and I think some of the some of the elk, even some of the other states, I've had uh, outfitters tell me they don't feel they're bugling as much in the West um, now don't get me wrong. I've been to areas where the elk go crazy, but I think the wolves have changed them. I think that the elk don't talk as much as they used right. to. And people might think I'm crazy, but I mean, those wolves listen for that. That's all they have to do. They do. Yet two weekends ago, all those elk were just talking and bulls screaming and yeah, um, all the cows talking all over the place. We're like, oh, this is, it was, that's so cool. I love being out there when they're doing that. Yeah, and they're always going to do that because they, when they come into those cycles, those cows are in heat and those bulls go nuts. So right. it's going to happen regardless. You just have to be there when it happens. The cows are, what, 24 hours to be able to take something like that? It's it's a short window. Yeah. But I've been on the mountain, hunted all day, heard nothing the next day. It's constant bugling. The day after, it's nothing. So you just, sometimes you have to time it just right. But usually right. you can get them to talk. But yeah, this year for us, it was different. I Like I say, Montana... I think all across the state, this deadfall and this beetle kill is changing elk hunting. Changes their travel patterns where they'll go because they can't get through there either easily. And they're no. not going to labor. No. They want to, all animals want to want the easiest route. You right. Know? You're walking up a hill, you pick a, a game trail. Why? Because 
they take easy route too. <laughs> they do. They do. <laughs> Unless so. pushed. Yeah. So no, I mean, it's, um, it was still fun getting out there. I mean, we spent, um, some time on the mountain, you know, camped out and we put some miles on the boots. It just wasn't a good year, but like you say, it's always a good year to get out there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys are encountering that, if you're having problem getting into elk, give us a call. We have a lot of outfitters all across the West that specialize in elk and, and archery elk from Montana to Wyoming to New Mexico, um, Idaho, everywhere. And so we can help you with that if you're tired of doing public land hunting. Right. You know, and so we can we can certainly help you with that. We can't guarantee an elk, but no. we can guarantee some fun. <laughs> Guaranteed fun. Good time getting out in the hills. Yes. It is. It is. So, well, good catching up with you finally. Thank you, you guys well. for tuning in. And um, until next season. We have a whole year to plan another elk season. That's right. Well, we got rifle. (laughs) We do. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Thanks, everyone. If any of you want to go on any of these hunts or trips around the world that we talk about on this podcast, True Flight Adventures can help you with every step of the way. Get a hold of us either by calling or emailing, and we can get you on that trip of a lifetime. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to hear more of our stories and commentary, or something to sleep to, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Google Podcast, or Apple Podcast. If you enjoy watching us ramble on, then subscribe on YouTube or Carbon TV. Until next time on Giving Back TV Podcast.